Fascinating little creatures, those ants are. Thought you might uh, like to hear a few facts about ants that you may not be aware of. I don't know if you knew, but uh, there, it's estimated that there are upwards to 10 quadrillion ants at any given moment on this planet. That's what that, that number looks like. There, there are 10,000 different species of ants. Ants communicate by chemicals, a release that would like uh, tell, tell other ants where they might be able to find some food or, or warn them of, of some danger. Queen ants are the rulers. There could be one queen ant or several queen ants in a, in a colony of ants, and, and, and their whole function is to produce eggs, thousands of eggs that will assure the survival of, of that colony of ants. Male ants have one sole purpose in life, and that's to mate with the, with the queen ants. And once they do this, it's over. They die. In fact, they, they explode in the whole process of mating. You know, so it's, it's really not a good deal for those guys. You know, it's, and uh, the other thing is they don't, they, they're not even able to eat. I mean, so it's, they, they were, life is done with these guys. The, the, the odd thing about it is that all the other male ants see what happens to the guys in front of them, and they still go for it. So I'd say, you know, that, that's maybe another sermon, but, but, but anyhow. Uh, but th those, th the, you know the ants that you see carrying the little bits of dirt or the little bits, bits of sand? Those are female ants who are not able to reproduce. And their whole function in the colony is to, is to uh, care for the, the queen bee ants' offspring, and they, they protect them, they find food for them, they, and they're the ones who do, dig all the tunnels and, you know, do all that, create those little ant hills that you see on, on the surface as they're digging up, you know, digging up the dirt and creating those tunnels underneath. So I just thought you might like to know a few facts about ants. Now, why, what's the deal about ants? Well, ants uh, are the source of the fifth principle that we're looking at today that we've taken from this book uh, Henry Cloud wrote called Nine Things You Simply Must Do that have become the title of this series. And uh, what happened was this, this, this fifth principle that Dr. Cloud writes about actually goes all the way back to when he, when he was in graduate school. He gra when, he, when he finished graduate school and it came time for him to write his, his doctoral dissertation to complete his PhD, he he had a, he, everything went really well for him in graduate school. He liked, he, 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 back at that point in, as a young guy, he needed a very structured environment where you had teachers and, and classrooms and, and assignments and tests, and he, and he did really well at that. But then when he, when he finished graduate school and he got out on his own and, and he had this huge task in front of him with all these things that he needed to do in order to complete his his PhD, his dissertation, it, it became overwhelming to him because he, he operated well when he had structure, when he had somebody overlooking him, but out on his own, it almost seemed insurmountable for him to do. And this, this is really quite a serious deal for him. And in his book, he writes about how he did the one thing he, he knew to do as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that is he prayed and he asked God for help. And God gave him that help in a way he, he, he absolutely did not expect because 
As he, as he was praying for that, one day as he was reading the Bible, he read three verses from uh, the sixth chapter of the book of Proverbs. And so this is what he, this is what he read. He said, uh, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its, its food for harvest. And so he read those three verses, and his first thought was, well, what, what in the world does that have to do with my dilemma, with the problem that I'm facing right now? And then he thought about it some more, and he thought, you know what? Maybe, maybe what I should do is, is just do what this what these three verses tell me to do, and that is watch the ants and learn from the ants. And this is a true story. He really did this. He, he, so he bought himself an ant farm. You, you, know what, you know what those are, right? That little, like, terranium thing that's vertical and it's glass on both sides. And, and so he, he actually ordered in the mail some ants, got those ants and poured them into, into that terranium, that, that container that had, had the sand or the dirt in it. And, and then he began to watch what happened? Watch what the ants did. And I really love how he described this. So he writes, he said this, each, uh, each, each of them had one tiny little grain of sand in its grasp and, and was marching from one end of the little terranium to the other. He said, I had no idea what they were doing with those grains, but they were marching somewhere with them one by one. And, and then he tells about how he was, he was uh, out of town for about a week and he came back, and he, he saw the progress. He saw some tunnels beginning to be formed and, and clumps of sand, you know, uh, uh, forming. And, and then a few more days go by, and a few more days go by, and then uh, he writes this. He said, a little, <clears throat> a little more time passed, and an entire Ann city had been built. It had hills and valleys and a complex next network of tunnels, it looks like a team of architects and construction crews had been there for months with miniature bulldozers and trucks and cranes. He gets quite, quite descriptive here. And, it, and then he said, the reality was that many tiny ants had taken many tiny steps, one step at a time, one grain of sand at a time, one day at a time, and there you are, a city was built. So years ago, that was his personal experience. And then he's worked for many, many years as a, a clinical psychologist, so he's worked very closely with people in, in all kinds of, you know, walks of life, many, many different situations, and, and, and he, he's, he saw over and over again that the same principle is true for them as it was for him in his experience, and it's this, you achieve your goals by taking small steps over time. You know, I... I gotta ask you, have you ever felt that way, like Dr. Cloud, where you've had this huge task in front of you and it's like, where do I start, what do I do? And you can just be kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing in front of you. That's where this principle is so important. You, you achieve your goals by taking small steps uh, at it over, over time. The person who lives out this principle focuses on small steps that add up. And they're, they're very intentional, they're very disciplined, very consistent in taking each one of these steps. For them, it's not all or nothing, okay? Or it's not taking shortcuts. 
It's, it's working each one of those steps so that they, they become the kind of person that they want to become and they, they achieve the kind of things that they want to achieve in, in their life. It's, it's all the small stuff that needs to be done on a consistent, regular basis that enables somebody to achieve the results that they want in their life. Fun story with this. I, um, I'm a John Grisham fan. Anybody else? He's, he's written those legal thrillers, you know, and uh, I, I, I've, I've got a lot of his books. I'm almost ashamed uh, uh, that I have so many of them. But I, I, I really like his writing. But the fun story with that, he was an attorney working 60 to 70 hours a week, but his dream was to become an author, to become a writer. And, and the way he did it was he did it like an ant. He got up at 5 o'clock uh, every morning before he went to his real job, and he, and he would take time to write a few paragraphs, a few pages, and then over a period of three years of doing that, one day after another, writing you know, one, a few paragraphs, a few pages, he, he ended up with his first, his first novel, his first book. And, and since that time, he's written 28 books, and, and there, he sold tens of millions of copies. But it started, it all started out with one paragraph, one page at a time. Step by step, little steps, achieving that kind of a result. I think that's true everywhere. It's true in every walk of life, whatever it is. I bet, I bet I, you know, I could give hundreds of illustrations, and that might be an exaggeration, but a lot of illustrations of, of people in sports who have accomplished that, just diligence, practicing those small little steps over and over and over again. It, it can be true for us as parents, doing what we should be doing as parents. And, 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 and if, if, if you're married, doing it in our relationship with husband as husbands and wives. It's just, it has applications all over the place. It's true of the key characters in Scripture. <clears throat> Noah, who built the ark that rescued his family from a flood that, that destroyed this entire earth. How did he do it? He did it one piece of wood at a time. Hour after hour, day after day, and many years, many years, year after year after year, years. Moses, who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. How did he do it? Literally one step at a time. Hour after hour, day after day, year after year. Uh, you look at someone like David who, who brought down Goliath. Did that, 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 that just happen? No, it didn't. It, 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 it came after he had spent hours and hours and days and days caring for his father's sheep, learning how to protect them from lions and wild animals, and, and that prepared him for the big challenge in his life. Daniel. Daniel, who was a key leader in the most powerful empire in the world at that time, the Babylonian Empire. How did Daniel get to that point in his life? Didn't just happen. Daniel had this discipline in his life where three times a day he would stop whatever he was doing and he would kneel and he would pray. He did that day after day, year after year. I mean, I could just, I could go on and give one example after not another. Nehemiah, who, who led the people of Israel in building, building a, uh, a wall around the city of Jerusalem again. It was literally one stone at a time. One, one, you know, hour after hour, day after day, year after year. So it's true. It's a principle. You achieve your goals by taking, by taking small steps over time. 
Small steps over time. So let's, let, let's just try to make this real. Try to make this practical today. So let me, let me just talk about four areas of our life where this can be true. First of all, in, in your relationship with God. Let me ask you have, you, have you ever met somebody, you look at their life, they're, they're a follower of Jesus Christ, and it seems like they got everything together. You know, they, 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 they have this pattern in their life where they're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's this consistency in their walk. You, you, you look at their character, and, and, and as clearly as it could be possible, you, you see the, the character of Jesus Christ reflected in what they say and what they do. I mean, they're, they're just, you look at them, and they're like your hero. And you go, man, I wonder how they got there. And, and sometimes it's so easy to think, well, they got there by doing the really, you know, the, the really big stuff. Or, or you might think, uh, well, it just came easy for them. They were just naturally born good. They're just, a, they're just a good person. You know, it's just the way they're wired. And I'm not wired that way. And, you, and so you, can, you, you could make the mistake of, of thinking that's why they are what they are. But you know what? I think you'll find this true over and over again. Sit down with that person, have a conversation with them, and, and ask them, how did you get to where you're at today? And I'll bet you more often than not, they will tell you that at some point in the past, in their life, they made the decision that they were going to spend time in God's Word every day. They were going to spend time praying every day. And I, I bet if you, if you press them even further, they, they would say, and it didn't start with me doing it for like, you know, an hour every day, and, you know, I, I, I read the Bible for an hour every day, and I prayed for an hour every day. They'd say, you know what, it's just started with a few minutes. A few minutes of reading the Bible and, and, and a few minutes of prayer. And that's a small step that any one of us can, can take in our lives. You know, I, you know, I, I have a small group of guys that I meet with, and, and uh, last year I took them through Scripture, and, and I, we, we actually read through the entire Bible. And, and I asked the guys, how long does it take you each day to do that? You know, we all read at different speeds, and I tried to kind of gauge an average of <clears throat> everybody in the group in about 20 minutes a day. Only 20 minutes a day, and if, if you do that, you would be able to read through the Bible in an entire year. And if, if you're sitting here this morning, you would say, well, you know, but this thing of prayer, Steve, prayer, you know, I just, I, I have hardly really ever prayed. You, you know how you, you know what, what kind of a small step you can take? It's something as praying a prayer as simple as this that would last really only about two minutes, okay? And you could pray it even before you get out of bed in the morning. A prayer like this, okay? God, I thank you for this day. I know it's a gift from you. My gift is to give it back to you. Give me wisdom to know your will. Strengthen me to love you and trust and obey me. Use me, use me wherever you want. Help me be sensitive to your spirit's leading in my life. Guard my thoughts. Guard my words. Strengthen me to bring glory to you. You could, <laughs> that one step, and I'll guarantee you, you pray a prayer that short and that simple every single day, and, and, and you'll see the re big result in your life, and, and it won't take much more than a year, you know, of, of doing that. It just take a very short period of time for you to see 
the result. So number one, your relationship with God. Number two, your thoughts, right? I'm a, I'm a big believer that your life will always go in the direction of your strongest thoughts, okay? Your life will always go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That, and that's why Paul, when he wrote the book of Romans, and he came, you know, wrote 11 chapters of this wonderful truth about God and truth about us, and, and, and then in the 12th chapter, he begins to apply it, all of this truth. And he makes this statement, and in the first two verses, he said, he said, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, uh, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, and he said, this is your spiritual act of worship. And, and then he said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? That's because our mind, what we, what we think about affects all of our, every single bit of our lives. So here's three small steps I want to give you that I think are, can be really helpful for you. Three small steps. Number one, do an audit of your thoughts. Okay? Think about what you think about the most. Think about what you think about the most. For example, for exa let me give you, let me give you uh, two examples. Would you say that you're somebody that you, 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 you tend, your thinking tends to be more on the negative side of things than on the positive side of things? Uh, do you see what could go wrong before you see what could go, go right? Or are, are, you, are you a very optimistic person and you expect the best to happen? Or another way to think of this is, are, are you easily critical of other people or do you find that you look for the good in people? Right? So, just one example. Are you more negative or are you more positive? Uh, another example might be, uh, uh, are, are you a worrier? You know, over here. Or are you always just completely at peace about everything? Trusting God, you never worry at all, not, not a single worry in your life. Or here's another one. Uh, do you, would, you, would you find that, would you say that you're on the side of thinking about what, what, the, what this world can do for you, you're, you're consumed with this world, or would you say that you think more about th the ways in which you can serve God and ways in which you can serve other people? You know, you, you kind of like you do this scale. You think, you, you think about, give yourself some time to think about what you think about the most. And here's why this is so valuable. Because if you ask God, the Spirit of God, to help you really see the way you are, then once you've done that and you've, you've taken a careful look at yourself, you know, where, you know where you need to ask God for strength and wisdom to think the way you should, you should think in your life. Okay? Here, here's another thing you can do. Prayerfully ask or seek God for one life-changing thought. One life-changing thought. One thought that, that would result in a bigger, bigger change in your life you can imagine. One thought that you will think again and again and again until really it gets into your heart and becomes a part of who you are. So, for example, you, uh, a thought like this. Less of me, more of Christ. Less of me, more of Christ. Or, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or the thought, the thought, God created me 
to help people far from God find new life in Jesus Christ. Or the thought, uh, like Jesus Christ, I want to humble myself, and instead of being served, I want to serve God, and I want to serve other people. So prayerfully ask God for one life-changing thought. Number three, memorize, memorize a verse of Scripture. All right? For example, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And uh, Paul writes, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I, one verse of Scripture. If you learn that verse of Scripture really well, That'll be in your mind, and when you come up against situations, you, the, the thoughts that can go through your mind, if, if you have God's word in your mind, it's going to help you think the right kind of thoughts. It's like this constant check on yourself, right? So, your, your relationship with God, your thoughts, and then your words. And I, I don't think I have to convince anybody here that our, our words have a huge impact on ourselves, on, you know, the words we use, they impact, they impact me. What I say impacts me, and it also impacts other people, and that's true for all of us. So Solomon made a very good statement about our words. He, he, and powerful. He said, the tongue has the power of life and death. That's true. What you and I say, we can either bring life to other people or we can bring death to other people. They can be life-giving or they can be life-taking. And really, it doesn't get any bigger than this. You see a marriage that's struggling, and I'll tell you what, a marriage that's struggling, you're going to see a lot of life-taking words. Like, man, you're so pathetic. I can't believe you do that all the time, or I'm so ashamed of being with you, or I can't believe I married you. Those, those kinds of words are obviously life-taking words. But you see, you see a marriage that's thriving, that's doing well, there's going to be an abundance of life-giving words, words like, you're the best of the best. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You're my hero. In fact, Becky will send me a... Uh, she'll send me, she does it really, uh, she sends me some texts that just like makes my day, you know. And, and uh, one of my favorite is she'll say, you're my hero. I get a text, you're my hero. I go, oh, I'm, I'm her hero. Yeah, I'm, yeah. But isn't it true? Marriage is relationships, and it's true for all relationships. Marriages and relationships that are thriving are where there's an abundance of life-giving words that are, that, that are being spoken. You know? But you know what's true? At least it's true for me. I bet, I bet most of us have a struggle with this at some time. Have you noticed how sometimes your tongue gets away? Kind of like goes off and does its own thing. Like, why did I ever say that? Anybody ever have that problem? James, I think James was more graphic about this than anybody else when he, he made this statement talking about the tongue. He said, 
He said all kinds of animals and, and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Man, you can tame a lion, but you can't tame a tongue. He said it's a restless evil. It's, it, it's full of deadly poison. And with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with him, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He said out of the same mouth, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And then he said, my brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Have you ever done that? Where one minute you're just saying, praising God and, and saying good things, and then the next moment something happens that just ticks you off, and you're like, whoa, did that come out of my mouth? Anybody ever? Yeah? Me only, huh? All right. Okay, so here, here's, what, here's, what, here's some ideas, small steps. Just like you do with your thoughts, do an audit of your words. And ask yourself the question, am I speaking more, more life-giving or life-taking words? It's like you could do it on a piece of paper. Life-taking words, life-giving words. And, and, and what you could do is have a... Have a, have a conversation with a good friend of yours and ask them to be real honest with you about this. Are they, more, are, are, are they hearing from you more life-giving words or more life-taking words? You could do that with your husband or wife if you're married. Be real honest. Say, be honest with me. Where, where, where would you say I'm on this one, on this scale? What do you hear from me more often? You know what's so important about doing this? If you and I can understand where we are on this, then it will help us understand what we need to pray about and ask God to help us to get better at. Just a small step, but it can make all the difference. Number two, say at least one life-giving thing to another person every day. At least one. That's not a big step, is it? To say just one life-giving thing to another person every single day. It's just a, such a small step, but it, sometimes I, I, it just kind of blows my mind how, how, how little that's done sometimes by people. One, one life-giving word. Number three, number three, this is, this is an easy step. Express gratitude every time someone does something for you. You know, you know, I've, I've, um, I've worked closely enough with people <laughs> for enough years now to realize how true it is that somebody who expresses gratitude to other people, they're better off for it themselves. Not only does it bless the person that you say it to, but you, you, you feel better for it. You're blessed for doing it. I, I was talking with uh, one of the guys in the church, a dad, this last week. And he was telling me how he and his wife, and they're just, they're a remarkable two parents. They're just doing a great job. And he was telling me how they, they have tried to intentionally teach their children to, to, to have gratitude, to express thanks for something that's done for them. And, 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 and this is how much they want to make this a normal part of, of their children's lives. They have taught their children to say thank you to them after their diapers are changed. 
I mean, is that cool or what? Any, any other parent there done that? Where I mean, can you just hear that? You've just, you just changed their diaper. And this little kid says, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mom. I mean, I just think that's so cool. That, that's what we're talking about here, learning how to say thank you. One small step. Here's another one. Um, another verse to memorize. And I, I'm a real believer in memorizing Scripture. So Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 29, uh, Paul said, he said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their, to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, that's, I mean, that's just one verse. Just apply that one verse to your life, and it's, it'll make a big difference. It'll, it'll have a huge result in your life and in, in the lives of other people. You know what? There's two, there's, there's two rules for life-giving words. And the first one, mom was always right. Okay? I'm sure you can all finish the sentence. If you can't say something helpful, don't say anything at all. Right? Or how about this one? If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. You see, anytime I think something good about another person, I want to give life to it by, by saying it. Solomon was so right in, in Proverbs chapter 16 when he said, Gracious words are a honeycomb. They are sweet to the soul and they are healing to the bones. Boy, isn't it true? You can think good about another person. You can think about it, but you don't say it for some reason. And I, I, I find this, you know, as, as I've talked with couples, so often happens in marriages. Husband or wife can be thinking good about the other person, but they don't say it. They don't tell them the good that they're thinking. And my goodness, that's just such an easy step to take, just to open your mouth and, and say it. Okay, the last one is discipline. Uh, and, the, and, and this one really applies to the first three, and it applies to every single area of our life where we want to get better, okay? We want to become more like Christ. Paul, Paul made this statement in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm convinced when I, I read everything that Paul wrote that he was really into sports. Like, he would have watched that game last night, you know, uh, but here, here, here's what he said. He said, don't, don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I love that statement. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. Well, basically, what they got was like a, a wreath that they hung around their neck. But he said, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. That's my favorite sentence in there. I run with purpose in every step. I'm purposeful in every step. He said, I'm, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm not beating the air. But I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. So I run with purpose in every step. Here's, I think, a, a very good definition of discipline. Discipline, and this is one to live by, okay? Discipline, and I, I honestly write this one down. Discipline is choosing to do now to have what I want most, okay? I mean, that is the way to live. 
Discipline is choosing to do now what, to have what I want most. And you can take that statement and you can apply it in every single area of your life. Living with purpose in every step you take. Step after step after step. So in every area of your life, you need to ask your, yourself two questions, really. Two questions. What do I want most? Number one, what do I want most? What do I want most out of my life? What do, what do I want most out of this area of my life? And then once you've answered that question, you need to ask yourself this question. What do I need to do now to have what I want most? What do I need to do now to have what I want most? I mean, I could just give you one example of this after another. So if you're looking in your life and you're saying, man, I want to have a greater sense of fulfillment in my life, a greater sense of purpose. I, 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 you know, I want, I want to know that my life counts for something. Well, one small step you can take is to find one area in which you can serve God and serve other people that fits who you are and begin to do that. It might be that you want to, you want to get in better shape physically. Well, one simple step that you can take is to begin, you know, begin like walking 20 minutes a day. And, 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 and another step would be to eat the kind of food you should eat. You know, like, don't eat all that ice cream, you know. Uh, but instead, eat something that's healthy, you know, like have a box of raisins, you know, that, that kind of, it's making those kind of cha choices, those kind of disciplines in your life. You know, what do I need to do now to have what I want to have most in my life? Do you, do you want a strong and joy-filled marriage? You know, do you want a marriage that, that has just got everything, in, you know, that you'd, you'd hope it would have? Well, boy, maybe one step you need to take as a couple is to set aside an evening that you're going to spend together and, and you're going to do what you did when you were dating. You know, that kind of a deal. You know? And if, 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 if things are really serious in your marriage, your marriage is far from what it should be, then maybe the step you need to take is a, a step of, of, of getting a marriage counselor, sitting down with somebody and talking about your marriage. Do you want your children to know Jesus Christ? Well, one of the things I can tell you that Becky and I had to, you know, that was, had to be a priority for us as parents is every, every evening, every day, spend time with our children in Scripture and spend time with our children in prayer. Just a small step. It wasn't a big, hard thing to do. You know, I could just go on and on. You know what I'm talking about when I say this. So in every area of your life, your success in achieving what you want to achieve doesn't happen by accident. There are not any shortcuts. It's not all or nothing. What it is, is consciously, intentionally, with a sense of discipline in your life, taking those small steps that need to be taken so you can achieve the results that you want to have. It's, that's what it is. It's that simple. You achieve your goals by taking small steps over time. That's what you do. It's that simple. It really does, it just can't happen any other way except that way, okay? Let's pray and then we'll, we'll stand for worship, okay? Father, um, sometimes uh, simple truths can be missed. Simple truths that are so profound. 
And I would just ask that your Holy Spirit would just put this picture in front of ourselves of, of ants, Father, just diligently doing one step at a time what needs to be done. Strengthen us to do that. Give us the wisdom to do it. Father, help us to take ownership and responsibility for our lives by taking these small steps year after year in our lives for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.